At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the moment we've been waiting for under brilliant skies and sunshine in Virginia. Big crash on the back straightaway, and it's a log jam over there. It's like a yard sale on the back stretch right now. There's junk over there. There's junk over here. I saw a couple cars on fire, so it was a parking lot in there. I couldn't do anything about it. It's kind of one of those compounding, frustrating short track days. Here comes Blaney looking for the race lead. Hamlin will shut him down. Trouble in turn number three. going to get worse for Ryan Blaney. He pulled out of the box, yanked the air hose and drug it and the air gun with him. And this will be a penalty for moving equipment out of the box. Martin Truex Jr. to the inside on Denny Hamlin. Hamlin will hold on at least for this lap. Truex is there. They go three wide under the left car. Into turn number three. Truex takes the spot. How about the new Mr. Short Track? Checkered flag is down to Martin Truex Jr. That was a lot of fun there at the end, racing with Denny, and we played nice, and Coach will be happy, and uh, it'll be a cordial meeting tomorrow. The new king of Martinsville is Martin Truex Jr. Greetings. Welcome to NASCAR America Motormouths. Nate Ryan here with Dale Jarrett, Steve Wittart, and guys, short track season. We're in the middle of it here in NASCAR. We had Bristol Dirt. We had Martinsville. Now it's time for Richmond. So how do you guys feel about the short track season about to conclude here for NASCAR? Oh, well, listen, I love short yeah. tracks. I love Richmond, and, and I love Richmond during the day. I think it's a great race during the day. I think the groove widens out. The drivers have options, um, which the crew chiefs are going to love because there's still no practice, DJ. So you're going to have to hit the ground with what you think you're going to run in the race. And if you miss it early, you can get lapped there pretty quick. So I like that my driver at least has some options to move around with a warmer racetrack. Yeah, I was anxious to see Martinsville under the lights, but obviously that didn't exactly happen. So, uh, uh, But it turned out to be a tremendous race. And, and I just love the fact of watching different drivers go about navigating the short tracks. Uh, and, and I'll use Martin Trucks. Junior has the example that, you know, it's only a couple of years ago that we wondered would this guy ever win on a short track, and now he's like 50 or 60% on these. But what was the most impressive thing, the hardest thing that, that a driver comes up against is trying to pass a teammate late in the race for the win. Uh, you know, not wanting to, you know, other people, you can be a lot more aggressive. But he did that. That was textbook if you watched the way that he worked Denny Hamlin and made all of that happen. So fun racing to watch, and I agree. I love uh, Richmond in the afternoon uh, with it hot and slick. It's somewhat apropos. Richmond will start the same way Martinsville finished, essentially, with Martin Truex Jr. on the pole position. Danny Hamlin starting second. It's Wednesday, which also means it's time for NASCAR Power Rankings on NASCAR Talk, <laughs> NBCSports.com. And in the Power Rankings, same two drivers are one and two. Truex will start again on the pole at Richmond. He's number one in our Power Rankings. And Denny Hamlin is second. Uh, and then a little bit further down, maybe some, uh, some interesting choices here from NASCAR Talk editor Dustin Long. Uh, <laughs> What do you make of uh, Kyle Busch being in the eighth slot here, DJ? Uh, no, I didn't expect to see Kyle Busch's name on that list, to be quite <laughs> honest. And, and I'm, you know, tremendously talented, and he will, you know, win, and he'll get things uh, turned around. Of course, we said that all last year, and it took him a long time to get there. I just haven't seen Kyle Busch and his team 
be in that position to, to be a part of this group right now. Uh, I think they've got a lot of work to do. So that, that was the name that jumped out at, at me. And listen, I love Dustin, but I want to see what he's doing on Sunday afternoon because him and I are watching the same races. So I want to sit down in Richmond and watch this race and see what he has to say. I mean, he took Brad Kozlowski out of the top ten. I know he didn't have the best Martinsville, but I think he's going to be one of the guys you have to beat for the win at Richmond. I expect it to be a Penske powerhouse. That's what Richmond's looked like, uh, even with the momentum of the Gibbs cars being Truex and Hamlin. Let's not forget Ryan Blaney was a player until they gave it up on pit road. No fault of the drivers, and I expect him to be a player again on Sunday afternoon. So when I look here, I, I mean, I don't even – Brian Blaney all the way down to six. So I don't know. Maybe D'Lo and I are going to have to sit together on Sunday, watch a race together. <laughs> I probably should put a disclaimer out. We used to vote on the power rankings. So this used to include my input, but this, this is all Dustin now. So i got to hang this all on him. In my rankings, I think Chase Elliott would have been a little bit higher than ninth. Certainly would have been higher than, than Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick. I mean, I feel like he could have won – Maybe six races already. This, this is an awful thing to say, but I have a hard time keeping Kevin Harvick in my top ten. Yeah. Now, his hard. resume says he should be there, but yeah. nothing that they've done this year has said it. Tyler Reddick as well. I mean, okay, but just okay. I've seen better than okay. Um, so, I don't know. I struggle with these. I think the most impressive name on there is William Byron and the season that he's putting together at this point in time. I think Almost quietly. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, he is, but just solid week in and week out, doing everything. And, and to make him part of the top five there up in the third spot, I, I totally agree with that. And, and I know that you know you could say Logano and, and Kyle Larson have been strong every single week, but uh, William Byron's doing some really good things. And uh, you know he could, he could be a name that we talk about a lot when playoff season starts. What it proves to me is that we always ask, ask, hey, what, what about the truck series? What about Xfinity? And we talk about drivers and engineers and crew chiefs and this. What we don't talk about is relationships enough. Because let's remember, you know, William Byron has a new crew chief, Rudy Fugel, on top of the pit box. That decision uh, was made for a multitude of reasons, I'm sure. But I'm confident one of the reasons is because William Byron and Rudy had history together and success together. No practice, no qualifying, never been a cup crew chief at one of the biggest organizations. A lot of things could easily confuse him. Not that he doesn't know, but it's just so much. So much help can be confusing at times when you have that much information to deal with. Yet, they have found a way to not only run well, but consistently run well. And as you mentioned, dirt, short track, it doesn't matter. I'm reading down here what their uh, sixth consecutive top ten. So not only the very important win for the playoffs, but a, I, I don't want to call him young or early because he has a long history as a crew chief, Rudy Fugel does, but new in the Cup Series has yeah. proven that uh, all that experience outside of the Cup Series play, is definitely paying off. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Stevie, he's locked into the playoffs with, with that Homestead Miami Speedway win, and Martin Truex Jr. Uh, on Sunday at Marchville became the first repeat winner this season. So I think... You know, despite, again, send all your emails to Dustin Long. (laughs) Despite the rest of Dustin's rankings here with the power rankings on NASCAR Talk, I think Martin Drake Jr. clearly a consensus number one. And I'm interested in your guys' take. There was a lot of discussion. The fact that Truex's first two wins here have come at Phoenix and at Martinsville, which happened to also be last two races of the season uh, in the playoffs, you know, that worked out really well for Chase Elliott winning those two races yeah. last year to get his first championship. Does this set Martin Truex Jr. up as essentially maybe a, an early championship favorite? I mean, he's the favorite in April. Yeah. But I don't think Chase Elliott was anyone's favorite in April when he was the champion. And the only thing I will say is, while he is winning at the right places, at Phoenix and at Martinsville, you know, it's a long ways from April to October, November. I mean, a lot changes. I know we talk about parts freezes and all these things, and supposedly they can't develop a lot of different issues. But remember, that new car is on the horizon. 
And a lot of these teams are going to have to figure out how they're going to split their personnel to start putting these new cars together to go test and prepare while trying to run for a championship. Um, I think Alan Gustafson, I'm shocked he didn't win a championship earlier, either with Gordon, uh, perhaps Kyle Busch, Mark Martin. He's worked with some greats. But now that he has found the magic elixir of this system, I expect that nine to get much faster as we get deeper into the playoffs. So I know Truex will be there, but he's going to have to beat the nine. Yeah, he is, and it's going to be good. But I think that the playoffs, by what we're seeing, uh, the early indications of this year, finally getting a second winner here. Uh, but nobody's grabbing a ton of these playoff points right at this point. Right. So yeah. to navigate yourself through the playoffs, it's probably going to be more pressure-packed than it's ever been before, especially for those that we consider to be the favorites. And Martin Truex Jr. is certainly one of those. Not to mention, throw the road courses in. Let, let's not forget, forget who's good at the road courses. Just erase that for a minute. Those stages are perhaps the hardest to score points in. Yeah. Because you have to make a decision on strategy and do you get points. And, you know, we keep talking about this new schedule. One thing that hit me as we were, I was actually driving down here thinking about the schedule coming up, DJ, is, you know, these playoff points are real. So we have all these single race winners currently. When we get to this wave of road courses where normally we see race winners pit early before the stages, do they say, no, 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 I'm going to start banking some playoff points because. Uh, you know, while Martin Truex Jr. has two wins, Denny Hamlin is 194 points. He's way out in the regular season championship lead, which is a nice points incentive. But playoff points are what carries you through the playoffs. Yeah. The road course races, it's hard to get. It's hard to gain them. Yeah, Martin Truex Jr. clearly building a, a nice bulge there uh, in the playoff points. While Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, only one point apiece. I'm sure Chase Elliott's looking for that road course stretch, as you said, Stevie. But uh, certainly Truex has the edge and. Uh, a little later on the show, we will talk to his crew chief, James Small, and ask him about how it feels to be perched atop uh, the standings the way he is right now. He's in good shape. Uh, but right now, let's go to our phones and talk to one of our favorites. Uh, I believe we have NASCAR lined up to talk to us on NASCAR American Motor Mouse. Greetings, NASCAR. Greetings, Nate. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say a happy heavenly birthday to Steve Burns. Uh, let him know his family. We're thinking about him and uh, wanted to get that out there. Um, besides the attitudes from Martinsville and differences, what is the differences between Richmond and Martinsville and how these guys have to drive the racetracks, the different characteristics between the two? I'll let the driver answer. Yeah, yeah. the man yeah. who's won it both. <laughs> yeah, yeah fortunate, got fortunate to do that. But it it, uh, it, it drives different in that uh, you obviously have a bigger track and, and more room to, to maneuver. And, and you're going to need that on the Sunday afternoon at Richmond uh, to, to get your car around. But the same things apply uh, that you're looking for as a driver, and that's a turn in the middle, but you don't want to give up anything for the drive-off that you have, because that's where you make passes, is being able to get the drive off of turn two to beat someone down to turn three, or is it off off the exit of, of turn four to get that position back down into turn one. So you're looking for essentially the same things, but you have to go about it a, a number of different ways. And something that I've always been intrigued with to watch drivers is to watch a Kevin Harvick, who essentially isn't someone that that wants to really arc it into the corner. He's going to drive it straighter into the corner, make his car turn there, and then he's got direct, great drive on the exit of the corner where you get other drivers that really want to make this big wide arc, especially down into turn one, get their car, and Denny Hamlin will do this a lot. 
roll through the center of the corner, and then drive straighter on the exit of the corner, getting his drive off that way. So just kind of fun to watch different drivers go at this, uh, but much more racing room, and I think that's what we'll see. More room, and surprisingly, why you would think that brakes should be the most important in Martinsville because you're on them the yeah. hardest, I actually think they're the easiest to set up at Martinsville because you are on them so hard, and you're kind of in a straight line still. Richmond is so difficult because you never really, I know this sounds silly, but you don't use a lot of brake. You're just on them a long time. You know, you kind of get a little bit of the speed knocked out of the car, and then you trail brake or drag the brake so far down into the corner that they no longer are just slowing the car down. They're completely changing how the car handles. So I think that braking at Richmond, I actually think that's the toughest braking racetrack as far as not messing up how your car handles. You can make a good car drive bad with the wrong brakes. Yeah, and then you have a longer straightaway, especially on the front stretch, or even though it's not exactly straight, but <laughs> front stretch, and that's what we'll call it. And so uh, they cool back down quickly there that way. And so then you start to get some brake shake from a driver's standpoint, and you're actually wondering, you know, are my brakes going to work whenever I get down into the corner? So you have to, at times, especially later in the race, start pumping the brake pedal a little bit more there than even at Martinsville. There's going to be some head scratching you ate some long stages there's gonna be green flag pit stops and some head scratching of why these guys are changing tires so often love the strategy uh and probably not as many wrecks though as we saw at martinsville or at bristol richmond gives you a little more room uh we did see quite the crash though last night oh man uh, in the supercross race which happened to take place at a nascar track atlanta motor speedway but I don't think we've ever seen a crash like this, even uh, at Atlanta Motor Speedway in a NASCAR race. We have Cameron McAdoo, 250 main event, just takes quite the tumble. Oh. Uh, goes end over end, doesn't fly off the bike, but just misjudges this uh, jump here. And amazingly, guys, was okay after this. Um, was cleared by doctors, checked out for a concussion protocol, uh, and they said you're okay and when the race restarted because of uh, supercross rules it happened the first three laps they restarted the race and McAdoo actually finished third so the man who called this race last night Ricky Carmichael now joins us on NASCAR American Motor Mouths. Ricky thanks for being here um, amazing that Cameron McAdoo uh, not just was able to survive that wreck and be healthy but also be cleared to return have you ever seen anything like that in your time around supercross as a multi-time champion I, I've seen a, uh, a a lot of violent crashes, but nothing that I can remember uh, as of late to the magnitude of that. And uh, first and foremost, definitely have to give it up to Cameron McAdoo. And I'm glad that he is okay and was able to get up from that. Uh, we'll get on to, to, to what he was accomplished later. But I, I don't know that I have seen as much of a courageous, inspirational, gutsy ride than I, what we witnessed from Cameron McAdoo. I can't remember the last time I saw that. Uh, just, yeah, that, that replay there, uh, just, it, it gives me chills. Uh, but nevertheless, I was glad he got up. But, I mean, just an unbelievable ride. Red flag situation, gets back going. Like you said, Nate, he's cleared, cleared by the docks, did whatever they did, and then he lines up, goes for it. I mean, look at this guy. His number plate's off. And, hey, kudos to his mechanics and that Monster Energy Pro Circuit team scrambling, getting that bike back uh, at least somewhat manageable as quickly as they could. Those guys were, uh, those guys were, were they were on the clock. And they got it uh, manageable for him. And make no mistake about it, those handlebars and his controls on his handlebars weren't perfect. So for him to come out there and do what he did, was excellent. It was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. 
in, in a lot of my years. And uh, he kept himself big picture. He's kept himself in the game for this championship. He, uh, he only lost a few points, and they still got two more rounds. So uh, I'm excited to get back Saturday. The racing has been fantastic. It really has been these first two rounds at Atlanta, Ricky. And, of course, Cameron McAdoo finished third, so we did get a chance to speak with him uh, after his podium finish, and here's what he had to say. I don't have much to say either. That was uh, I, when I was laying up there, I had, I had a contusion on my thigh, and I really, it was like when you get the gnarliest Charlie horse and you truly cannot move your leg. So that was how it felt for a minute, and I was trying to move my leg, and he was like, you know, let's get down, let's get down. And I was like, yeah, let's try and it wouldn't cooperate, but finally we got myself to start moving, and, and uh, I don't think I'm quite as sore as I probably will be here soon, but, um, yeah, I just I want to give it up to my whole team. My bike was mangled. It still is. It's bent up, and, but they did as hard as they could to, to get it back going, and, and I want to make a big shout-out to the Doc Bodner and the whole medical crew. They, uh, they evaluated me very closely, and... Uh, I appreciate that because I know that sometimes if racers aren't quite in their right mind, then it might not be safe for them to race. But I'm glad that they uh, thoroughly looked me over and, and uh, let me go out there and do my best. So I'm so happy to be on the podium and um, just thank all you guys. You guys were amazing tonight. And, you know, safety certainly comes first in motorsports, Ricky. It's good to hear Cameron McAdoo giving the shout-out to the doctors. He certainly sounded cogent and obviously was well enough to ride to a third-place finish. But what did you make? of uh, that decision for him to come back and race after that crash? Well, I don't think anybody was expecting him to come back, not even his teams. I had an opportunity to talk to him just about an hour ago, um, and, and, and he says he had to go to his mechanic and said, hey, get this bike ready. I'm going back out. Doctors came over, examined him. They gave him the green light, and uh, no one was expecting him to come back except himself. He's like, let's get this thing going. His mechanics, like I said, started to scramble, put that thing together, and uh, – the first and foremost, I'm just glad that he was okay and able to walk away from that. That was a really, really tough lick. And, and of course, as you guys know, in car racing, um, things are going to happen at the worst time in the worst possible place, right? And, uh, of course, he just gets pile-driven right into the face of that up ramp going over that little tunnel jump, as you guys saw. So, uh, nevertheless, it, it made for a great race. Just shows you how, how strong these guys are, and they're fantastic athletes. So, uh, well done. And uh, he's certainly going to make some highlights, no doubt about it. Hey, Ricky, that's just incredible to sit and watch and then to think that, that this young man got back on the bike and wanted to compete. But I, I've said for a long time that, and, and as you pointed out, safety is always first and foremost, but sometimes you can't help competitors from themselves. We think that we're okay when we're really not, but I know the team did their job there. Uh, and I'm sure that you've been in that situation. I've been in a race car when I probably was better off would have been better off not being in there. Uh, but, you know, that's what we do. And, and so you get back and go at it. My question is, I know what it's like to have a crash at a racetrack and have to go back there the next time. But getting right back to it, and, and I'm sure you've encountered this before, do you look at that part of the track differently, those first few passes by there? Well, for sure, DJ. And, and that is a great observation. I'm going to tell you what. And, and he, if you notice, you go back and you watch a replay of this race and uh, on Peacock, he does that rhythm section a different way. He comes out of the corner and he goes double, triple, rather than triple, double. He said, he said to himself, he's like, I started doing it a different way. I'd been doing it the way that I crashed, 
all day long is like, man, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to cross that path again. I'm going to do a completely different rhythm way. And uh, just, just for that security. So to your point, yeah, it was certainly in his head, no doubt about it. And that's why he tried to, or that's why he changed his lineup and started to go double, triple. He didn't want to even fool with that. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> great insight there, Ricky. And uh, as you said, great competition. Ken Roxon gets the win. That points battle, the championship battle with oh. Cooper Webb tightens up a little bit. So we'll look forward to seeing more of you on Saturday night. Thanks for stopping by NASCAR America Motormouths. Yeah, I love your guys' work. Keep it up. That's great. Love your sport. Hey, the insight's good. Love the break uh, the break work and the info that you were giving us. I'm going to uh, take some info. And my brakes went out at Martinsville, my last truck race. It wasn't a pleasant experience. <laughs> Bad place oh, for man. that to happen. Yeah. Thanks again for being here, Ricky. We appreciate it. And we'll be talking a little more Martinsville coming up after the break. We'll have James Small, Martin Truex Jr.'s crew chief, joining us on NASCAR America Motor Mounts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. One hundred days away from the thirty-second Olympiad in Tokyo, starting on July twenty-third, which of course NBC Sports, uh, the seventeenth Olympic Games that NBC Sports Olympic team will have, and we all have medals. We Three do. of us. Yes. This is yeah, close as I'm ever even get to one. Just given to yeah. us. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so exciting time, and uh, great that it's going to happen. I know it. You know, was a pause put on this, uh, but everybody's looking forward to it. But to all of those great athletes, and we saw a lot of the names right there, and there's many more. One of one person jumped past all of them uh, when this comes, and that was Hideki Matsuyama on Sunday, uh, winning the Masters and, and now having this. Uh, so he's going to be the the top star there. But there's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Well, race. you mentioned medals. I love the fact that um, you know that golf is back in the Olympics. It's been a, a few Olympics now. I think it's great to see these guys that that you know they whether it's the PGA or even the European Tour, they play a lot together. But it, it's very different because you're only allowed so many from each country, and you actually see different guys kind of move up. Uh, Seamus Powers, an Irishman, he actually is just down the road. I see him out hitting balls all the time. You know, he got to represent Ireland. So it's always fun to watch these different guys. But um, this is as close as you and I are going to get. DJ, <laughs> got right that here, right. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, auto racing, not quite an Olympic sport <laughs> yet. Uh, maybe it'll be on a demonstration level at some point. But if we were naming the gold medal crew chief from Australia... Yeah, this week. I like that. <laughs> we have one in James Small, uh, crew chief for Martin Truex Jr.'s Toyota in the Cup Series, winner of the most recent race at Martinsville Speedway. Uh, James, thanks for being here. And I uh, want to start with, uh, we're, we're streaming on Peacock, uh, but th this still is a family show. So I'm not going to say how you described Martinsville in the post-race media availabilities, aside <laughs> to say that it was a blank show. Uh, a little bit of a mess for the first few stages uh, for the number 19 team, but then you and Martin laughed about how you guys just, it all came together and you guys figured it out to win the race. Yeah, correct. You know, it wasn't that much of a, what I said, but uh, <laughs> you know, we finished uh, 
third the first two stages, but it just kind of got messy there with all those yellows and, uh, you know, getting shuffling back with different strategies going on. And, um, and you know, the car was a little bit of a handful there for a little bit, and we, we just chipped away at it and, and finally got it, got it right when it counted. James, that's really my question. First of all, I love Martinsville. Favorite track on the circuit. Congratulations. I think I, I can appreciate how tough it is to get your car right when it does matter. We talk about Martin Truex Jr. not known as a short track racer, then all of a sudden he's Mr. Short Track. Can't seem to lose. What is it? We talked about this on Monday's show, and I, I thought perhaps it was his confidence that he knew what he needed, knew what he felt. You talk about you had to work on the race car. Is it the feedback you're getting from the driver? Does he have confidence behind the wheel what his car isn't or needs to do differently as the race winds on? Yeah, he, he's excellent at that and, and just providing you know exactly what he knows what he needs he's done this long enough and he knows that how to be really good at martinsville now considering how we've run the last couple of races and you know just the track changed and you know his feedback changed throughout the race and what he worked out what he wanted and, and we were able to just adjust but you know he's always been exceptional on the short track i think you know there was all those races at richmond that he led you know for a few races in a row and 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 things just didn't go right and the weekend was just one of those races where, you know, things did actually go right. And uh, we didn't have the best car all day, but we did at the end when it counted. So he made the most of it. Hey, James, congratulations again. Uh, job well done there. I know what it's like as a driver to race a teammate late in the race. And actually at Martinsville, uh, I had it happen to, so to, to be able to do that. What's it like from a crew chief standpoint uh, of having that? Were you like, okay, let's get this over with. Go ahead and move Danny out of the way. We'll worry about the consequences at the meeting on Tuesday. Yeah, I ain't the one driving there, and I don't have to suffer the consequences. But, you know, that's kind of what I was thinking because I was a little bit worried that, uh, you know, Chase was going to come and get us both. So we needed to make it happen fast. But, um, you know, he's a, he's a gentleman, and, he, you know, he races everybody as clean uh, as he can. And... You know, that's to his detriment sometimes, but, um, you know, it, it was good to see because those guys usually uh, race each other really, really hard of late. So I'm glad that uh, there was no contact and coach didn't have to yell at us. <laughs> <laughs> so, James, you know, the, the beauty in this sport when you have a bad run, there's, a, there's another race a week from, you know, a week away. Unfortunately, when you have a good run, there's also another week, race a week yeah. away. So uh, not to take away what you guys pulled off at Martinsville, but now you're a two-time winner. You're locked into the playoffs. It's time to, like, look ahead, right, that playoff point bucket. You mentioned Richmond. Martrex Jr. has had some of the most dominant runs we've seen at Richmond yeah. that just haven't worked out in the victory uh, column yet. The question I have is, you know, what's your optimism heading to Richmond? Yeah, it's it's okay. You know, we finished second there last year to Brad, but he, he was definitely the best car. Um, and we weren't happy all day compared to how we uh, were in 2019 when we won both races. So, you know, we've worked pretty hard at it. Um, the track's going to be a lot different, you know, being a day race now and everything, even though it's going to be overcast. So there's a, a lot of little issues to contend with, and hopefully we can uh, make the right decisions and and uh, not be too far off. Had you noticed that? I mean, I haven't looked at the weather on Sunday, but my man knows it's going to be overcast already. <laughs> so I can tell he's still at work. He's looking at all the details. He's on it, which is that's why he's the crew chief with multiple victories right now in the Cup Series. James, I know it's early, uh, eight races in, but you guys do have you know, two wins, the first team to have two wins, and that playoff points gap is growing a little bit on some really good teams. So you know, how do you look at that going forward? Do you, you feel like you're getting a little of a jump on guys like Denny, you know, like Chase Elliott, who are, are still, they're running well, but they don't have quite that playoff points bulge that you guys have. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, 
it's better to be like this than the other way, how we started off last year. You know, we found ourselves in a pretty big deficit on playoff points through last year, just with the one win. And we didn't get too many stage wins just from whatever happened. We'd be leading a lot and things would go wrong or yellows. And, you know, that really hurt us at the end of the year. And uh, I think this is probably the first time that we've won this many races this early since forever. So, you know, that that's good. And, we just need to keep building that buffer because, as you know, it's so important when it comes to the end of the year in case uh, something goes wrong. So a lot of changes in the schedule. Much was made about the dirt track. It's now behind us. Uh, we have Coda coming up. We have Sonoma, which isn't new, but we didn't see it a year ago. Uh, we have Nashville as far as a new oval coming up. A lot of new things on the horizon. Uh, how do you prepare? How do you get ready for all of this change as we head into the summer? Yeah, it's, it's going to be an exciting time. And uh, I'm thankful that we're going back through a few more road courses and, and back to Sonoma. Uh, we're trying to go three straight there. So um, I know Martin's super excited. And, uh, you know, we were lucky we did the Coda test. Um, and that was uh, really beneficial. And just, just learning the track and, and learning about, you know, the degradation and how the tyres work there and everything. So I feel like, you know... We've got two wins already, but I, I, if, I'll be disappointed if we didn't have another, you know, two or three by the middle of the year. So we'll see how that goes. Bold prediction there, but that schedule really does lay out really well, especially with Richmond coming up this weekend. James, uh, thanks again for stopping by and uh, talking to us here on NASCAR American Motormouths. No worries. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I don't know how bold. If that was a line item in the uh, sports book, I would think that'd be a good bet. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a man who I think is going to win some more races, and we'll yeah. talk to another driver Seeking to win his first cup race, Corey LaJoy will join us after the break here on NASCAR America Motormouths. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to NASCAR America Motormouths. We're joined by the driver of the number seven Chevrolet of Spire Motorsports. That is Corey LaJoy, who will be debuting a new paint scheme at Richmond Raceway this weekend. I saw that on Twitter today, Corey. So I guess that's a little bit of a season reset that you're going to have a new look on the car. And I would imagine the way the season has gone since the Daytona 500, you're probably ready for a little bit of a, a reset to 2021. Yeah, well, before the break, you said somebody looking to win their first Cup Series race. Hell, I just want to finish a Cup Series race. That <laughs> it's been tough. And like you said, we started started off with a bang with a ninth-place finish at the 500 and uh, has slowly declined from there. Um, and, you know, signing up with Spire Motorsports, essentially a new team, we knew we were going to have some, some growing pains. And uh, I didn't expect all of them to be – in the first eight weeks of the season, though, and we've figured out every way to lose a race or even to not finish a race. So, uh, But we've shown some speed, and we're having some fun, and we're learning the processes, and still really positive on on the uh, the direction we're going as a team. 
Boy, I know that can be difficult as a driver when things don't go as you want and hope that they will, especially to start the season. Uh, but somebody has to keep that team going. You know, they put in a lot of work and effort. Not that you don't as the driver, uh, but are you that guy that, that wants to be around them? And I know times uh, the, that we're in now make that a little bit more difficult. But uh, along with keeping them pumped up, uh, who is it that keeps you going and, and have that mindset that, hey, this is going to change this week? Yeah, I've never really been like the the rah-rah, go-get-em team kind of guy. I've always kind of let the results show. But sometimes when the re results show, you got to find some other ways to keep yourself motivated. And that's kind of where, you know, stacking pennies comes from. And had a lot of – we've had a lot of good cars. You, you see that car at Phoenix, we had a really good car there. We thought we should have run top 20. Should have run – could have run top 10. At, at Martinsville, we had a pit road mishaps. So, you know, it's not like we've run terrible – uh, we've had a couple bad races and mechanical failures, but you know it's the stuff that you expect to happen. Uh, but you know, if we had, if we were just searching for speed and and just throwing, you know, throwing dark ball hoping to hit something, that'd be one thing. But we've we've shown what we are capable of in spurts. We just have to be able to put it together for a whole for a whole race. And you know, the, the leadership of of our Spire Motorsports team with with TJ Pusher and Jeff Dickerson, they have realistic expectations that are probably honestly a little bit lower than what i think that we're capable of with ryan sparks at the helm and and all the guys that we have working on these these chevy camaros and i think that once we get i hate to say luck because you always make your own luck right but uh once we get once we get in the flow of things and stuff just starts rolling i think we should start popping off some good finishes and and putting some points on the board Corey, you mentioned the flow of things. DJ said this all year long, that him and Jeff Burton both, that they think this is probably one of the toughest years for a driver. Road course, dirt, short track, you know, great speed at Martinsville, back to another short track at Richmond, and then back to the high banks at Talladega for a plate race. What does a driver do? How does a driver prepare for the different, I mean, it's really a completely different look each and every week? Yeah, so, I mean, certainly an interesting stretch here with a couple of short tracks, then we go, you know, Talladega and then Darlington, but our uh, Kansas is in there too. But, um, you know, I think it's – it's. I do love trying to get some practice in. Um, you know, I just bought a, a – I got a rental, a rental go-kart, not a rental kart, a shifter cart. That kind of gets the sensation of speed up there, during the week. And, you know, we're not necessarily super high in the, the Chevy totem pole, so we don't get a whole lot of time on their simulator. Uh, so we don't, that's not really a tool that we can get as a team. Uh, you know, I think just relying on old notes and watching some previous races to try to best prepare yourself. But – you know, that's what that's the part of the, the deck that's stacked against you being a small team or a new startup team. You don't get the tools that a guy like James, you know, the, the guy that was just on here, the, the crew chief of the 19, he has all the tools and then some to work with. So we're just trying to to rub two sticks together and start a fire here, essentially. <laughs> uh, Corey, I saw you tweeted uh, this week. It's 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 a quote. It's a, hard to beat someone who never gives up. And you attributed it to. Babe Ruth, Jimmy Johnson, Michael Scott, and Corey LaJoy. So when when things are like this mentally taxing during the course of the season, do you have to like look for sources of inspiration like that? Is that a quote you knew or you had to look for it? Or you know, how do you get through a, a period like this? And is it partially just relying on sayings like that and that those sorts of words of wisdom? Right now, Nate, you turn to anything. You turn to alcohol, you turn to friends, <laughs> you turn to family, you turn to you turn to whatever possible thing you can grab onto straws. Uh, if it's a if it is a motivational quote that gives you like this much feel good after a tough day, then you go for it and you go all in. Now Jimmy Johnson, 
uh, certainly use that one. It's, it's one that sucked, but uh, I just have fun on social media. Try to take it a little bit lighthearted because there's so much pressure from the outside in on what we do as a career. You, you can't take yourself too serious. So I have a question, Corey, that so you've had some bad luck along the way. You've had a few parts failures, but maybe the most interesting thing that you had to go through was at Homestead, Miami, your crew chief that you had to deal with there <laughs> that day. Uh, the gentleman sitting just to my left here. Yeah, man, it was a lot of fun to work with Steve and and he jumped in, man. We were in, in a bad way. Uh, you know, you, you pile on a brand new team, brand new parts and pieces and people. And then you throw in half the pretty much three quarters of the team was out with COVID. So we had an all star, all star motor mouth fill in for us at home. <laughs> we, we, you know, we didn't have a great day. We ended up break. We ended up blowing an engine uh, um, early in in the in the day. But it was, you know, I, I've told this people after after the week. You definitely know why he was successful uh, on the box being a crew chief because Steve uh, Steve definitely can pump his guys up. And it's it's not like. It's not uh, empty words. Like, he actually means it, and you feel like he's in there with you. So it was a lot of fun to work with Steve at Homestead. It was a lot of fun to go. It's been a long time uh, since I, I had that chance to climb on top of a pit box. But I'm telling you, you're lucky you uh, even got through the first pit stop because we stopped the first time, and I was supposed to roll the tire in. <laughs> Heck, I forgot to get off the pit box. So it's uh, a lot's changed down on pit road. Uh, I think I'm going to follow up with that. You talk about, you know, the, the near misses, the mes- mechanical stuff, all the things. Is it tougher not having practice, qualifying, nothing to kind of shake it all off. I mean, basically, you know, you have to wait two extra days every week to get back into a race car. It's good when you're winning, but that's two extra days when it's not going your way. Well, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I think that, I mean, you're, you're seeing it during the week. I think that the the swap for for notes just on the aero balance between the Ford Mustangs that uh, Sparks and I were used to the balance of trying to find last year at GoFast they didn't translate quite as close as I thought they would to these Chevy Camaros that we had. So, you know, the first couple mile and a half, so we were almost just trying to find some sort of aero balance and with no practice whatsoever and new simulation models that he was working with, we were a little bit behind. But, uh, you know, after going to Atlanta and Vegas, I think that we have a better idea of what we need to be aero balance wise. And, and that way we can translate some of the notes we had last year that we feel like we ran well uh, into our cars for this year and to start putting some better runs together. Well, you're certainly running well uh, at Martinsville, Corey, until uh, misfortune struck. Hope that's not the case this weekend at Richmond. Hope you have a better run. And uh, thanks for being here on NASCAR American Motor Mouths. We appreciate it. Hey, I didn't come this far to only come this far, so I'm not going to give up now. <laughs> thanks, but, uh, Corey. <laughs> Great. It's hard to beat someone who never gives up, was yep. the quote. And, uh, I mean, you're an inspirational saying type guy, right, Stevie? You know, oh, right? I listen, I, I, I love it. I, and he's right. You know, at, at some point, there's no blueprint to how to motivate yourself, to how to mentally prepare yourself. This sport is spectacular. It has the highest of highs. But I'm going to tell you, there isn't a high without a low either before or after it. And we've all seen it. Uh, that poor guy has broken a motor, broken a gear, blistered tires, been in a couple wrecks, had the nose completely torn off. I mean, I've seen some wrecks on pit road, but never have I seen the radiator come out on pit road. Uh, so it's definitely not gone smooth at all. And the fact that he can find any sort of inspiration to kind of keep going uh, is good. The reason I asked that question, because for me, DJ, you know, I always look forward after those bad weeks to that Friday. Let's get the cars yeah, back on yeah. track. God, whew, just knock the dust off. Remind ourselves we know how to race. Well, now you got to remind yourself lap one of the race. I mean, all these small nuances with no practice. Yeah, and I think sometimes, you know, we, we try – 
our very best to uh, bring these stories out uh, of these drivers that are just like Corey, that are so very talented. So many times I hear people say, oh, those guys that, that run back there, they're not very good anyway. Hey, I'm telling you, you you're not going to be out there if you can't drive a race car and do a good job. Everybody doesn't have the opportunity in their career to to get to an elite ride and show exactly how good you may be. Can you just step in and put him in somebody's car and he go win? I don't know that that's going to happen, but with that time yeah. in there, uh, he is a, a very good talent. And they have to do the same things week in and week out. And, and that actually have to do a little bit more to, to make themselves ready because you heard him talk about not having the time in the simulator uh, that, that the drivers that probably could do their job without it uh, and yeah. do very well. So, uh, you know, sometimes you wonder, you know, the, the teams that don't have the money don't get some of the other perks too that makes it even more difficult. And this day and time, I still say it's the hardest time for drivers that has ever been in this sport, especially ones trying to make their way up the ladder. Yeah, running in the top 12 when he had the accident on pit road at Martinsville. Yeah. Replace that. You can, we talked about it on Monday's show, the cubic dollars, right? The horsepower, the aerodynamics. Yeah. There, there's a chance to overcome some of that when you go short track racing. I think that's why it's so near and dear to all the, the racers' hearts that, you know, kind of brings you back to your Saturday night short track days. Yep. He'll get another chance this weekend at Richmond, like we talked about. And I think we've got another person on the phones. Our, our friend Marvin Blue wants to talk a little bit about Richmond as well. Marvin, welcome to NASCAR America Motormouths. Hi, guys. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Great. Great. Hey, I got a question for you guys, and it's about my buddy Chase Elliott. My question is, can he get off the losing schneid and possibly get a win at the Magic Track this Sunday afternoon? Oh, well, Kenny, absolutely. I mean, I don't think there's a track we go to that Chase Elliott and Alan Gustafson can't get the car into victory lane. Um, I would be worried if they were way off. I would be worried if there weren't five or six more road course races. I'd be worried if all of the Hendrick cars were struggling, but all the in my mind, uh, you know, all the right pieces to the recipe are there. Uh, a little bit of bad luck or a little bit of misfortune, maybe not the best race car. Some things haven't gone their way. I actually think it's the opposite. I think um, it's a long season. And I think that's what Chase and Allen learned last year is you have to be right at the right time. Not that they're not trying now, yeah. but I don't think they have the panic turned up quite, you know, quite on high yet. They still are solidly looking good for the playoffs. Now they want to win a race. They want to win a bunch of races because they want to fill that playoff bucket up. Uh, we know about that. But those road courses, I mean, it's hard to say he's not the favorite to win two or three over the course of the summer. Yeah, he's going to win, and it could happen uh, this weekend. Uh, as you said, they've gotten to the point where they're an elite group now that they can win anywhere and can be one of the favorites. You can see here uh, at the odds that uh, with Martin Truex Jr., no surprise there, being the favorite. Uh, but Chase is right there. I actually thought Sunday at Martinsville, the way that Martin and Denny were going at it, and I saw Chase coming. I said, this is going to set up. He's going to go up here, and, and he's going to maybe make this three wide or catch them when they're slipping and sliding and, and get one at a time there, and, and it might set up perfectly for him. But uh, those two guys were just a little bit too good for him uh, on that. But uh, the hardest thing to do is to come back after a championship and, and start performing right off because that's what everybody expects. Hey, you just won the last two races of last year. Nothing's different. You hadn't been able to test, hadn't been able to do anything. Why aren't you performing like that? But uh, makes it makes it difficult. Mentally, uh, I think getting and staying into the game. They'll be ready when the time counts. So I haven't talked to Chase, but I look at the actions, and that's kind of what I read. And I saw his patience with Denny. Uh, you know, because he could yeah. have oh, yeah. bulldogged his way past Denny if he thought he had a chance to get tricks. His patience with Denny 
uh, is what I'm reading into saying that I don't think they're in a panic situation yet because I think if he was a little bit more concerned, he could have disposed of the 11 in a much ruder manner. But perhaps he's thinking, you know, there's no reason to ruffle feathers yet. Everything's still going to be okay. He's got a lot of road courses coming. He's really (laughs) Yeah, man. And he certainly ran well the last time of their road course in Daytona. So, yeah, he was on a media availability today, guys. And Chase Elliott, to your point, Stevie, he sounded patient, sounded calm. Didn't sound like a man. I mean, he's got a championship now, so pressure's kind of off anyway. But he didn't sound like a guy who was worried about the progress of his team. So a lot of uh, maybe um, not worry, but a lot of anticipation coming in the IndyCar series uh, they'll start their season this Sunday at Barber Motorsports Park. And on NASCAR American Motor Miles, joining us after the break, we'll have James Hinchcliffe of Andretti Autosport. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Well, as mentioned, IndyCar kicks off this weekend down in Alabama at the Grand Prix of Alabama. Practice one and two on Peacock. Qualifying later in the day, all on Saturday. And we have a little qualifying encore on NBCSN later in the evening. Then on Sunday, race day, a little warm-up on Peacock. And 3 o'clock, you don't want to miss it. First race of the season on NBC. And to take a look at the upcoming season for IndyCar, our friend Nate Ryan took a look. They form the unlikeliest of racing trios, bringing their world-class talents to the unlikeliest of places. An All-American seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, starting a second career at 45 years old. A Kiwi wonderkind who won three Supercars championships down under in his 20s. And an affable Frenchman who spent more than a decade on the world's most cosmopolitan racing circuit all converging this weekend on a road course near Birmingham, Alabama. Jimmy Johnson, Scott McLaughlin, and Romain Grosjean have come from all corners of the globe, but with a common interest, competing against high-caliber competition in what has become one of the deepest single-seater fields ever assembled. For Johnson, it's the fulfillment of a childhood dream. For a California kid who grew up transfixed by the Indy 500. McLaughlin says it's the chance to compete in by far the toughest category in the world while driving for an auto racing legend. After winless years in the midfield of Formula One, Grosjean's F1 career ended in flames. But with resiliency and renewed passion, he now has a chance at podiums and victories in equipment finally offering more equality. The anticipation and expectations are high but the transition will be extremely steep. Johnson, McLaughlin, and Grosjean will take the green flag at Barber. Yet the checkered flag might remain long out of reach despite their vast experience and accomplishments. But there still is an immediate winner, IndyCar. 
the hottest ticket in town for all-star drivers seeking a new mecca of motorsports. Well done by our buddy Nate Ryan. And joining us now, a name you didn't hear there in the essay, but you're going to hear a lot when IndyCar takes the track. Back full-time in a ride, James Hinchcliffe joining us, I assume, from Hinchtown. I mean, is that where a guy has to live when you have a, a town named after yourself? <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. You know, the, the, the taxes are lower there, so I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us about it. We just heard right there. I mean, it is a star-studded IndyCar field. It's always has been, but now we have... And some international flair. Jimmy Johnson making the move over. Uh, what's it like for you personally back to full-time and, and starting the year off here at Barber? Yeah, I mean, obviously for us, it's, it's great to be back full-time with Andretti Autosport and, you know, Genesis and Capstone stepping up to help us get that program done. But like you say, I mean, this field, it really is. It's, it's funny, the last few years and all the preseason interviews and media you do, I feel like we've been saying, oh, this is the most talented field we've had an IndyCar and it's starting to sound like a line but the fact is every year we come back it gets that little bit deeper and that little bit better and you know this year especially with the rookie class that we're seeing it's just incredible and I think everyone is excited obviously our start to our season got pushed back a little bit so finally getting to Barber and getting this thing going everybody's very excited well as a dog lover James let me just say it's it's great to hear that canines are welcome there in Hinchtown from uh, the background noise that's terrific um, so this is the first time that the NTT IndyCar Series, James, has started the season on a permanent road course. Uh, what do you think we'll see from Barber Motorsports Park, uh, you know, given that, well, I think this is the 11th or 12th year that the, the circuit's been on the track, but it's the first time that it's starting the season. Yeah, it's, it's going to be challenging for sure. You know, the, the first race of the season is always very, uh, it's a big physical challenge for the drivers. You know, you spend all off-season in the gym training as best you can, but nothing really recreates the forces you feel in the car and the physicality of the car. And Barber's probably the most physical road course that we go to. Add on to that, we have, you know, experienced after a test at the end of last year, they repaved the track and the lap, the lap times are about two seconds quicker uh, than they were last year. And that amount of pace increase, it increases the physicality of doing a single lap there in an exponential way. So opening the season up when no one's race fit yet uh, is, is going to be is going to be challenging to do it at Barber. But you know I'm excited. It puts on great racing. It's always a track that's hard on tires, and tire strategy is always a big part there. And uh, you know Firestone do a great job with the red tires and the black tires to make mix it up and make it fun. So it's it's going to be a huge test for man and machine. Hey James, I'd like to know uh, back to uh, an organization and a team that you've had success with uh, has to be a great feeling for you uh, in those lines. And then, uh, what does Jimmy Johnson have to look forward to coming from stock cars uh, to the Indy cars now and the transition with that? Yeah, so you know, for me, being able to come back to uh, Andretti Autosports kind of a dream come true. You know, when when we split after the fourteen season, it was just for sponsor reasons. And, you know, Michael and I always said, we always joked, we want to get the band back together one day and kind of finish what we started. And, and now we've got that opportunity. So we're, we're all very grateful and thankful for that. Uh, you know, to the second part of the question, man, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Jimmy's a student of the sport and he likes learning because there's a, there's a lot to get up to speed on. And I think that's been the most impressive thing that everybody is, you know, really kind of taken from his, his introduction to the sport so far as, how eager and and willing he is to learn you know a guy with his level of experience the number of races that he's done number of races he's won over his career to step into something so foreign 
but really dive in with both feet, you know, and he has, uh, he has asked all the right questions. He's pushing himself. He did a ton of testing in, in junior formula cars in the off season. I'm not sure there's ever been a rookie that's been more prepared for their first IndyCar season in a lot of ways. But uh, apart from the few tracks he's been able to test at, you know, everything's going to be new when we get there. These new race weekend formats, you know, one of the things that came out of 2020, not dissimilar to NASCAR, is these shorter format weekends, a little less track time. That's going to hurt for sure. Uh, but, man, it's, it's been awesome seeing his drive and, and his desire, and I just can't wait to see him kind of progress and improve throughout the year. All right, Hinch, you mentioned back full-time with Andretti. Um, so, so, look, I know Barber's this weekend, and I know it's a long season, but the, the, the mecca of motorsports, right, the Indy 500, is, is any IndyCar racer's dream, and perhaps any race car or racer's dream. I, I think I've talked to these guys and let me go hang out this year and go up to Indy for my first ever 500. But what's it mean to you? I know how special Indy is to you, but how much does it increase a guy like yours' chances being full-time with a team all year long and not trying to put together a deal just for the 500? It's huge, you know, because what, one of the things I said a lot last year when I did my, you know, my partial season with Andretti and, and we ran the 500 together, I was the sixth entry on the team. And look, facts are facts. When you're the sixth entry on a team, you're going to have the six best parts. Uh, but what's so impressive about Andretti Autosport is that I don't think any other team could put six competitive race cars on the track at, at the Speedway like that. So much love, so much care goes into building these Speedway cars. And when you're now back full-time, you know, you've got some better equipment. You're going to have, you know, your full-time crew, an engineer you've been working with for a few races now. You've got that rapport. So there's a, there's a lot of benefits to it. So anytime you show up to the Speedway in an Andretti Autosport car, you've got confidence. Uh, I had that last year, and we ended up being the highest finishing Andretti car. It just shows that they're, they're so good across their, you know, their entire stable. But definitely going in there with uh, you know, a full-time ride and, and that experience of the first few races together with my crew, it's, it's going to boost us a bunch. And, and seeing how we did last year, I mean, we're, uh, we're definitely cautiously optimistic. Yeah, a lot of reasons for optimism across the paddock this year, James, in the IndyCar Series, uh, and you're certainly one of those storylines. So thanks for joining us here on NASCAR American Motor Mouse. We appreciate you stopping by. Of course, guys. Anytime. Really appreciate it. Good luck this Good weekend. Good luck, man. Uh, in an interesting story there. I mean, rejoining with Andretti Autosport after being out and yeah. being on our side of the fence for a right, while. And right, right. You can, you can hear the enthusiasm there. He's, he's ready to go. Well, I mean, his story from Indianapolis is, you know, it's unbelievable between injury and issues and things like that. And uh, he's one that I think would be a fan favorite if he could find yeah. the Yard of Bricks first come Memorial Day weekend. So Yeah, he's performed well in the past there. And, and so you, you know that has to be on his mind. And that was a great question you asked him about, you know, full time, you know, being in that seat right. and being a part of there more. So be fun to watch. All right, I won't put you guys on the spot and ask for a winner at Barber. But I will ask for winner at Richmond this weekend. I'll give you two. Pagano at Barber. And, right. uh And it's a Penske sweep. Pagano at Barber and Brad Kozlowski at Richmond. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to go with his teammate, uh, Ryan Blaney. Uh, I was going to say Brad, uh, but uh, should be interesting. Okay. I'll take Newgarden and Denny Hamlin. And we are out of time. Thank you very much for watching NASCAR America Motor Mouths. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. 
It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.